0: And it's interesting to note, as you look at the world around us, that the center of Christianity has shifted. The Christian West, as it was once known, is rapidly running away from the faith. Our churches are closing. Many churches are abandoning Bible-founded truths. There's a rise in our society of people who would identify as nuns, that's N-O-N-E-S, pertaining to having no religious affiliation at all. Where Europe and North America were once central in Christianity in our world today, that has moved to the East and to the South. The gospel of Jesus Christ is exploding in areas of the world that it is hardest to believe. In China, the number of Christians confirmed is now bordering on 100 million. In North Korea, where it is noted that it is the hardest to believe, it is the hardest to live as a follower of Jesus Christ, Christians are sent portions of Scripture that they memorize completely and then burn right afterwards because it is an imprisonable offense to own any portion of God's word. Challenging when we hold the Bible in our hands this morning and struggle to get into it every single day. In 2015, it was reported that there were approximately 1 billion, with a B, Christians on the continent of Africa. There are more Christians in the southern hemisphere than there are in Europe, North America, Russia, and Japan combined. Roughly two-thirds of Protestant believers now reside outside of Europe and North America. Why mention all of this? Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, God says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God has a plan for his word in this world. Let's make no mistake of that. We as followers of Jesus Christ have received by God's word spoke to us through other people salvation that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that salvation, the purpose of that salvation is not that we would just enter into the family and have the promise of the kingdom of God, the forgiveness and love and promise of hope that comes with that. But the purpose of our salvation is that we would also become the agents of that same forgiveness, grace, love, and hope to a world that desperately needs it. It is not that we are here to reform culture, change political scenes, or set up new governmental structures, but it is that we would seek to see minds reformed, hearts changed, and faith set up in the lives of people in our world today. As we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, the representatives of what we claim to have and believe in our world today. But unlike what we're seeing in the areas of the world that the gospel is booming under duress, it is that many Western Christians have embraced comfortability which has have, has moved us to desire to not upset the apple cart by actively proclaiming the gospel to people. Make no mistake. God's word will go out and do what he has set for it to do. Even in our culture where it is increasingly becoming more and more difficult to live out our faith, And we as followers of Christ have the blessing and opportunity to be conduits of the shining light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us, to our country, to our city. This is not an act to be done begrudgingly or out of obligation, but in recognition of all that God has accomplished for us, it should be, Isaiah 55 verse 12, that we shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace at the opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be the agents by which God's plan for his word is accomplished in the world around us. May it be that the Lord rises up in us a great joy at the opportunity that we have to see the gospel progress in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And may it be that he brings us peace to know that he is the one who leads us in that. Amen? Amen? All of this so that in all that I do, the end game of everything is to advance the gospel. As we see that that was clearly evident in the life of the Apostle Paul. So in saying that, let's dive into God's word this morning. Philippians 1, 12 through 18. Follow along with me as I read and then we'll pray and dive into this together. God Almighty, we are in desperate need of you this morning. and Father, we thank you for meeting us here already. You are the God above it all. We stand in awe of you this morning and all that you have done and orchestrated in our lives already. Father, may we get a keen sense that you are moving and working even when we don't see it. And Father, would we understand the joy that comes from the opportunity that you grant out of your grace to us to be used by you to accomplish and fulfill the purpose that you set out before us in our lives. May your word speak to us this morning. May it hit the mark where each of us are at to change us, to make us more like your son, we pray in his name, amen. Amen, so we're going after... A life with the end game of, in everything, the gospel is advanced. And so, see this first, I must seize every opportunity. last week we established that Paul was writing this letter from prison, and it was likely that he was under some form of house arrest in the city of Rome after a a group of Jewish people had planned to ambush and kill him. The details of all of this leading up to his imprisonment are detailed in the last five chapters of the book of Acts, Chapters 23 to 28, you can check it out this week, should you so choose. But while Paul was in prison, although he was technically imprisoned, dealing with all of the, the frustrations and hardship that comes with that, he was presented with an incredible opportunity to continue the work of the gospel here. But of course, in in hearing everything that Paul was facing from the attempt on his life, the riots in Jerusalem, to his initial imprisonment in Caesarea that we hear of in the book of Acts, the trial that went on there, his travel then, and the shipwreck that he endured on the way to Rome, and then his imprisonment there, the Philippian believers were concerned for him. And so Paul writes these words to ensure them that although he is in the middle of something that is very difficult, let's make no mistake about that, His purpose and his commitment to the gospel remain, and in fact, there is a greater opportunity in what he faced to advance the gospel. Look again at verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, all that I've faced, all that I'm dealing with currently, has really, here it is, served to advance the gospel. How has the gospel advanced? Verse 13, so it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The imperial guard that he references there uh, comes from the Latin word Praetorian, which was the elite guard in uh, Rome at that time. They were specifically trained and tasked with the uh, job of protecting the emperor and the royal family. And on top of that, they would be responsible to squash any rebellions that may arise in Rome. And then on top of that as well, prisoners who had appealed to Caesar... And who are granted a trial with him were in the care of the Praetorian to ensure their safety, which was the case for Paul. But these weren't any run-of-the-mill soldiers here. They were like the special forces of the day. They were specifically tasked with the preservation of Roman culture and ideology through the safety of the emperor and through the control and care of the Roman people. And in these guys, and in all the rest, like we read in verse 13, anybody who had the chance to interact with Paul, to hear about him, to know what was going on, why he was imprisoned, it was evident that Paul's imprisonment was for Christ. He had a ready-made audience for the gospel here. Paul wasn't a political prisoner. He wasn't a criminal. He wasn't some insurrectionist that tried to raise a fuss. Paul was there in prison because of the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he made sure that everyone he came in contact with knew that. David Garland, a commentator on the book of Philippians, wrote, a jail can be a wonderful place for Christian evangelism. One has a captive audience and plenty of time to preach and teach. And here it is. The chains restraining Paul's body do not restrain the gospel. No matter the situation, Paul recognized the opportunity to proclaim and advance the gospel and he took full advantage of that. Even in the middle of what could have been a devastatingly difficult set of circumstances, he knew that the Lord had ordained for him to be here and gave him the chance to proclaim the good news to a group of people that he would not normally have the chance to interact with. He seized that opportunity and boldly pushed the kingdom of God forward through his faithful witness. I wonder if we could view the opportunities that the Lord gives us in our lives like Paul did. I wonder if we could view every situation we enter, every conversation that we have like he did. Whether it's entering our place of work on Monday morning, spending time at a friend's house, in the line at the grocery store, pumping gas at the gas station, when the Rogers guy comes to your house to fix something, when you're sitting with other parents at hockey practice or swimming lessons. Could we see every opportunity as a chance to advance the gospel? Can I be open with you for a second here? Is that okay? Can I be open with you? Great. I love curling. I love curling. Okay? Not like my hair, like the sport, okay? I love curling. It's great. Wait a second. Don't only like 80-year-olds who love alcohol like curling? No, not true, okay? Not true. Not true. Monday nights, uh I have the opportunity to curl in the uh, Barry Industrial League at the Barry Curling Club. 3 hours to rub shoulders with people that I would not normally have the chance to interact with. Curling is not the most important thing I do on Monday nights. Those three hours are an opportunity to, by the words I use, by the attitude I have, by the example that I give to advance the gospel in the lives of those around me. To answer questions should they come up. Because most of those people know what I do by now to invite them to church, to share with them my story, whatever the Lord allows, could we see every situation as a chance to advance the gospel? But then on the other side of that, could we see our hardships as such as well? That's a little more difficult, isn't it? We could have given Paul a pass here If he just slumped into his chains, rode out his imprisonment until he could get back out and be free again and proclaim the gospel to people as he desired to, none of us would have blamed him. But he made the most of the opportunity, understanding that the chance that he had here was not an opportunity that he may get again. So he made the most of it. He was ready and eager and seized the opportunity presented to him, knowing his mandate and purpose in his life to declare the good news of Jesus Christ crucified and raised to new life. More and more in our culture, in our post-Christian culture, it is critical that we identify and seize the opportunities that God puts in our lives to do the same but how often is it that we feel ill-prepared or we lack the confidence to properly in our minds proclaim the gospel? So in light of that, I, I wrote down five things here, five ways that we can make sure that we are ready to seize the opportunities when they arise in our lives. I'm not super creative, so these things aren't like creatively presented or anything like that. I'm super jealous of the people who are able to do that. And here's five things that all start with the letter E that you can do to say that sees the gospel. That's not me. And these aren't super profound either, but I hope these are a benefit to you. Okay. And helping us seize the, the, the opportunities that God allows. The first thing is uh, know the gospel. Okay. Like I said, not super profound. Okay. Know the gospel. You got to know it if you're going to proclaim it. So study it. Read it. Understand it. The gospel of John has 21 chapters. You take a chapter a day, that's 21 days. You have a whole gospel done in less than a month. Okay, read it. Understand it. Know the gospel so you can be confident in your ability to convey what it is, the truth of what we know in God's word. Utilize the five gospel words that we have presented to you as an opportunity for you to share the gospel. I think there's a picture right there. God, sin, substitution, believe, life. The gospel in five very simple words. Okay, we have hard copies of this available at the uh, resource center, or at Connections, uh, resource center, I'm sorry. Uh, grab a couple of those. Okay, have them in your purse or have them in your car so that if the opportunity presents itself, you can give somebody that, that copy and walk it through with them. Okay, study it yourself so that you can know how to properly proclaim the gospel and how to be efficient and effective and clear in doing so. And then as you do all of this, understand how we ought to live our lives in light of the gospel. Understand what it is that God calls you to in light of the faith that you have. And then seek to live it out. Hypocrisy, or perceived perceived hypocrisy, especially in our world today, kills opportunity. In a lot of the study that I've done about understanding the, the culture, the... Um, Generation of our students that we're in right now and the emerging generation, they have an incredible ability to understand and to know when things are fake. Understand the gospel, know it, live it out in your life. And we're thankful for grace in that, amen? Second thing, invite them to church. Okay, invite them to church. Simple, easy. Bring them into the community that they actually so desperately want more often than not. We'll have uh, invite cards available for you. If you're looking for some of those, keep, same thing, keep them in your car, keep them in your purse, have them available so you can invite people to church. It has all the information right there on it. You don't even have to do any work. Hey, come to church. Boom, right there. Okay, there's, those are available at Connections on your way out this morning. That's a great way to, to open up opportunities for conversations with people as you bring them into the church here. Third, Share your story. Share your story. Often we get so concerned and we get so apprehensive about the opportunity to share the gospel because we feel like we don't have the answers to all the questions. Okay, no one can refute your story. You make, in sharing your story, you make the gospel personal. It ties it to you and your experience and invites the person that you are telling into that. Okay, one thing that somebody commended to me that I so appreciated is, like, actually take the time to write down your story from start to finish. It's a great way for you to know and have that clear in your own mind so that you can present it to people clearly and effectively. It's a great way to share the good news and God can work mightily in that. Fourth, pray. Pray. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Pray for the strength and the boldness to, first of all, recognize the opportunities when they come and to seize them. Pray for the lost people in your life for those who need the gospel, and for an opportunity for you to share that with them. Pray. And lastly, this is a little bit more practical here, approach people with humility, patience, and grace. Today, approaching people with arrogance kills your opportunity. So come toward them, open to hear where they're at, and with humility to help them walk through it. Evangelism in the church has often had this air of arrogance where it's like, we have the truth and you need it, so listen up. Seldom works. Shouting matches rarely end up in someone backing down. Approach with humility. Approach with patience. Knowing that a decision for Jesus Christ might not be made on the spot. Be willing to walk through people or walk with people through that journey. And it is possible to approach advancing the gospel with urgency, and we should never lose that, and patience. Live in that balance, and then let grace rule your conversation. People are angry about what we believe and have to say. So like what Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Because remember, in answering questions or objections, remember that you're talking to a real person with a real story. You don't know what it is they've gone through. Stand firm on the truth we believe, but don't beat people over the head with it, okay? Be gracious. Let grace come into your conversation. Back to what God's word says here, we don't actually know what the result of all of the people in the imperial guard knowing that Paul's imprisonment was for Christ actually was. We don't know if any of the imperial guard came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but what we do know is that they heard about it, which is better than them not hearing about it. And it was Paul's trials that brought him to this place. See, our responsibility is to seize the opportunity to advance the gospel as the Lord allows in our lives and then to trust him to do the work from there. Because we understand Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Salvation, faith comes the work of the Lord. I want to say this next part as lovingly and carefully as I can. But in this, and in the pursuit of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ, be careful not to make your circumstances bigger than the mission. Certainly there are times in our lives when We need to batten down the hatches and we need to bear down and we just need to weather the storm. But even in the middle of the most difficult times in our lives, God is presenting us with an opportunity to continue the work of the gospel that he has set forth in our lives. There's a couple that I knew, my family knew very well. And many years ago, they had been praying to the Lord for a son, a daughter, well, a baby in general. Lord blessed them after many, many weeks and months of praying with the son. Overjoyed. Incredible answer to prayer. After uh, some months, they noticed something was wrong. They took him to the hospital, they rushed him down to sick kids, and he was diagnosed with leukemia. followed was months and months and months of tests, of time at the hospital. They stayed down in the city, close to sick kids so that they could be near to him. And after a long, long, arduous journey, he passed away. Anybody who knew Alex and Amy Ninkovic knew the faith they had. And even in the middle of a horrendously difficult set of circumstances, they stayed true to the mission. Right down to the fact that every nurse, every doctor that came and cared for their son knew that they loved Jesus. Right up to the point that at the day of his funeral, they made sure that the gospel was proclaimed clearly for those in their family, those loved ones that they had that didn't know Jesus. One of the most powerful pictures for me and for anybody who was there was Alex and Amy standing in the front of the church with their hands raised in praise to God as they buried their son. The impact of Luke's short life resonates even to this day. Even in the middle of an incredibly difficult set of circumstances, they were committed to the mission. You need to be looking for opportunities in the middle of hardships. And pray for the strength and boldness offered to us through the Spirit to seize those opportunities. Trusting that it is God who does the work and then watch how your example of faithfulness can have an incredible impact. Alex and Amy's incredible example of faithfulness and they would readily say right away that that was the Lord moving and working in their lives. Even in my conversation with him this week, he was quick to give glory to God for all of it. Their example of faithfulness to the mission advanced the gospel in a phenomenal way and has, for them and for others, this next thing. We need to be seeking to encourage others. Paul's example of boldness and faithfulness and commitment to the advancement of the gospel does something remarkable in those who see it. Verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. When the other Christians in Rome saw Paul making sure that everyone he came in contact with knew about Jesus, that strengthened their faith and their resolve to do the same. But the example that Paul sets does not move them to have courage in himself or in themselves or in anyone or anything else, but by his faithfulness to the gospel, they are strengthened and emboldened and encouraged in Jesus Christ to speak without fear of persecution or prosecution or what other people or anything else may do to them. We talked about the unity that we experienced in the gospel last week and the necessity for it today is critical for us as believers and for us as the church to encourage one another in this pursuit. I know there are some of you here that are like ridiculously good at inviting people to church. It blows my mind kind of actually to hear about it. I know that there are many of you sitting here in these seats because you personally were invited by someone else to church, We've got people here who put out invite cards on the counter of their business and chat with people as they go through, inviting them to come and see and be a part of what Harvest is all about. I know people who keep a stack of invite cards in their car and they invite servers in the drive through to church. Moms, I love hearing about you inviting other moms with kids to mums and Tots here on Friday mornings. that's what we're all about. Our mission here at the, as a church is to love God and love people. And there's nothing more loving than we can give people than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so inherently in our unafraid, unashamed witness to others, emboldened and empowered by God through his Holy Spirit, Whether it's something as simple as inviting them here or sharing your story, or if you sit down and unpack the five gospel words with someone else, we encourage others in that. It's not a competition. We're not seeking to guilt other people into doing this. But in recognition that this is our purpose and we are united together in this mission together, we go forth and we encourage others by our bold witness by our pursuit of advancing the gospel with the motivation behind that being the advancement of the gospel is our end game. It's ultimately that more and more people would come to know Jesus Christ and that the Lord would increase our faith. But it's also, as we seek to do this, that others who are with us in this would be encouraged by us, not because of us, but because of Jesus Christ at work in us. And that's where our boldness comes from. That's where our courage comes from the power of Christ at work in us through the Holy Spirit. And as people see that, as people notice that around us, they can't help but be encouraged to do the same. As it was clear for those who saw Paul doing this as well. Would we pray for that? Would we commit to that? To encouraging others by our example and our pursuit of Jesus Christ and the advancement of the gospel. So that in all that we do, the end game is to advance the gospel, so I must seize every opportunity. I must seek to encourage other people as I do so. And then, lastly, in staying the course, advance the gospel by staying the course. Notice that in verse 14, we see most of the brothers. Most of the brothers. Most of the believers in Rome were encouraged by Paul. Most of them were moved and encouraged to greater boldness. Most were motivated to preach Christ, verse 15, from goodwill, out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. But there were others, if you look down at verse 15 again, who preach Christ from envy and rivalry. Verse 16 sorry, verse 17, proclaiming Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. There were those who were encouraged by Paul's chains and Paul's example and moved to preach the same gospel out of love, knowing the reason that God had put him there. But then there were others who, while they still preached the gospel, while they still preached the same message, the same Jesus, did so out of a malicious heart, actually seeking to harm Paul. What was the reason for that? Well, really, we actually can't be sure. God's Word doesn't give us the specific reason for them doing so. It could have been that they thought Paul wasn't who he said he was because he was facing imprisonment and only dishonorable people went to prison. They could have been ashamed of him. We don't know for sure. But what we do see here is that their motivation behind the message that they preached was off. The message they preached was clear and sound. But, and their method to proclaiming the message was correct in the preaching that they took part in. But their motive was envy, was jealousy, was rivalry actually trying to cause more problems for Paul and seeking to harm him even further in his imprisonment. Now Paul, all throughout his letters, he speaks out against false teachers, those who preached things who were not true. He challenges and condemns those who were proclaiming things contrary to the truth of the gospel. So why doesn't he do that here? Because you see, the attack was aimed at him. The attack was aimed at him personally and not the truth of the gospel. See, Paul stays the course of living out his faith and his purpose in the faith, no matter what other people seek to bring against him personally. His conscience was clear. My imprisonment is for Christ, Paul says. I am here because of my faith. In doing so, I am fulfilling what Christ proclaimed I would experience. So you can lob your attacks at me all you want, Paul says. I know why I'm here. I know what I am to do. I don't need to defend myself. Jesus Christ will do that for me on the day that I stand in glory. Paul wasn't interested in motives because God is the one who discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God deals in motives. We deal in protecting and proclaiming the truth and leave the rest to God. No matter what people come at you with, if you are passionately pursuing him, if you are battling against sin and removing it from your life, if you are founded on the truth, growing in your knowledge and understanding of it, if you are seeking every opportunity and encouraging others by your example, stay the course. Don't allow the attacks of others to detract you from the truth. People will lob their accusations against you. And they may seek to harm you in your pursuit. But if you are founded firmly on what God's word says, let God deal with the motivations of those people. Major on the majors and minor on the minors. And the attacks against us personally, those are minor things. Yeah, they might hurt. Yeah, they do hurt. But let's let God deal with those things. Let's stay the course of advancing the gospel in the lives of those around us and in our lives personally. Psalm 7, verse 8, the Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. And praise the Lord that the righteousness and integrity that we have is founded in Jesus Christ. Amen? Isaiah 54, 16, no weapon that is formed against you shall succeed. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Our job is to stay the course, to fulfill and be faithful to the purpose. Make the end game of all that you do the advancement of the gospel in your own life through faithful pursuit of the Lord in his word, in service, in growth, and the advancement of the gospel in others as you share your faith by your witness, by your faithful example, by staying the course. And as we seek to do these things, finally we will be experiencing the joy that comes from fulfilling my purpose. Verse 18, what then, Paul says, then what? What does it matter if these things come against me? What difference does it make that these people are lobbying attacks against me? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, whether, no matter the motive, whether the wrong motives or insincerity, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. That is the reason that my heart is filled with delight. Even if things are difficult for me, even if they come after me, Jesus Christ is proclaimed. The gospel is advanced, because the end game of all that we do is Christ proclaimed. And when we see that happening, we will have joy to the full. When we see that, we should have joy to the full. We should experience the supernatural delight of God in that he promises to work when his word is proclaimed. God's word will accomplish that which he planned for it, Isaiah 55. It's not our responsibility to save people. We advance the gospel by sharing it and we let God do the work. Just because no one got saved when you proclaimed the gospel doesn't mean the gospel isn't advanced. Even when we can't see it, God is working. And there is joy to be found there. Paul took joy in knowing that those he came in contact with while in prison knew the truth of the gospel. Like we established already, we don't know if any of them believed then and there, but the seeds were planted and that was enough. Paul fulfilled his purpose. He was concerned only with the gospel truth that he was entrusted with. He was concerned about living in obedience and the boldness that came with the Spirit that was alive and well in him through the faith that he had in the gospel of Jesus Christ. His life's meaning was found in Jesus and his joy was found in the gospel advanced. So we're going to give you a chance to respond to all of this this morning. The title of our message is Joy Found in Gospel Progressed and clearly as we've discussed this morning already, the gospel is progressed in the preaching and proclaiming of it as we share our faith with those around us so maybe this morning the way that you need to respond to this is to bow before the lord and to pray for those in your family who are lost to pray to pray for those that you know need this need the truth of the gospel those in your workplaces your neighbors your family. We need to bow before the Lord and ask for boldness and strength to do so. To advance the gospel by sharing it with them. By inviting them to church. By sharing your story. You can pray in your seats for that. You're more than welcome to come up to the front here to do so. If you feel the need. Gospel progress is also found in our own personal spiritual growth. Maybe you're here this morning and you recognize that there is sin in your life that is unrepented of. Gospel progress and advancement isn't happening because you haven't surrendered that to the Lord yet. Get on your knees before him. Pray for forgiveness. He is faithful forgive you for that. Get your life right with the Lord in this. Maybe you're here and you've not even yet prayed to receive the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. You don't have a relationship with him yet. The gospel hasn't advanced because it hasn't yet even started to advance in your life. You can do that right here, right now. Right in your seat, right where you are. Cry out to the Lord for the forgiveness of sins offered through Jesus Christ. Pray to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you just need to stand in awe of God for the ways that he is working in your life. Perhaps you need to pray and thank him for the joy that you're experiencing. Take this time to pray and to glorify God for what he's doing. Thank him for the joy that you feel. Maybe you're here and you feel like joy is far away. The circumstances of your life are difficult and beating you down and discouraging you. Would you pray releasing those things to the Lord? Would you pray asking him to restore the joy of your salvation? Wherever you are, respond in the way that the Lord leads you. Front is open. You're welcome to come and bow before the Lord here. Take some time to pray and I'll come back and close this in a moment.